0: Have you ever wondered why some business people are more successful than others? Welcome to The Mentor List, a source of sound advice with your host, David Lewis. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds, listen to their stories, list their habits, and most importantly, gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List.
1: Joining us today, we have Amantha Imba. Should I say Dr. Amantha Imba? It's kind of like Samantha. You just drop the S. So Amantha is an innovation psychologist, best-selling author, and founder of Australia's leading innovation consultancy, Inventium. Inventium's been recognised as one of Australia's fastest-growing companies in the BRW Fast 100 list, and was also awarded the BRW Client Choice Awards for Best Management Consultancy in Australia. So, Amanda holds a PhD in organisational psychology. She's helped companies, for example, Google, Coke, Disney, Lego, Red Bull, Amex, the list just keeps going on. She was inducted into the Australian Business Women's Hall of Fame, finalist in the 2015 Telstra Business Women of the Year Awards, she is the co creator of the Australian Financial Review's Most Innovative Companies list, which Inventium compiles, where they essentially rank Australia's top innovators. Her thoughts have appeared in Harvard Business Review, The Huffington Post, Forbes, and Fast Company, and now we can also include The Mentalist. She's authored two best selling books. I mean, what a superstar. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so Amantha Rimba, welcome to the Mentalist podcast. Cool,
2: well, thanks for having me.
1: No, thanks for having me here in your offices. I was just looking around while sort of setting up. So it's different to what I've just come from, which is very corporate and very high rise and very, I guess, traditional corporate sort of office space. And here it's very colourful and, yeah, it's very energetic people out there. And uh, anyway, a bit of a tangent (laughs) from me. But thanks for agreeing to come on the show today. So I guess my initial question is just to get a bit of background about yourself. I mean, you founded the inventium 10 odd years ago now so I just want to get a sense of what that story is or so your story so where did you come from how did you create this business and what is it today so just yeah. a bit of a history
2: sure so I in terms of my journey I always knew that I wanted to be a psychologist I grew up with a clinical psychologist for a mother and I always thought that what she did was really interesting and I just kind of interested in why people do what they do and helping people in a meaningful way. And so I after school I went and did like a seven year sentence at Monash. Just sort of studied all the way through and ended up getting my PhD in organizational psychology. So I decided that I wanted to, you know, given how much time people spend at work, I thought wouldn't it be cool like if I could be working in a role that made that part of people's lives more enjoyable and made them happier at work yep. and when I was at the tail end of finishing off my PhD I became really fascinated with consumer behavior and consumer psychology as a field and at around the same time there was an advertising agency in Melbourne looking for a consumer researcher kind of a job so I applied for that and miraculously got it despite having not worked in advertising yep. and so that then led to five years working in the advertising industry as a consumer psychologist and strategist. And it was intellectually really interesting work, like thinking about, you know, why do people buy what they buy and how do people Mm. make those purchasing decisions that we all make every day of our lives. But just ethically, I found it, I really struggled with it for the five years and I just, I felt like I'd just hit my use by date. At five years i just wasn't getting joy out of
1: what sort of is this like targeting pregnant women sort of ethical dilemmas or like who you're targeting
2: well it's just like you know the brands i worked on were mostly household names and it's like you know do i really want to use my psychology knowledge to help people buy more chocolate bars not really you know i've got no problem with like people eating chocolate bars, but I don't want to be responsible for being the strategist that manipulates them Mm. into eating more things that are not good for them, for example. So I gave my boss three months notice and decided that I wanted to move into a a job where I was really helping people in a more meaningful way. And I went for a few interviews, but I couldn't really find anywhere that I felt like it would be a good fit between like the company culture and what I was looking for, and the IP that I'd be working with. So some of my friends were, were like, why don't you just do your own thing? And I thought, yeah, I guess I could give that a shot. And so <laughs> the idea for Inventium came about, because always, I've always been very passionate about innovation and creativity, yep. but I've also just been a massive science geek. And ever since leaving uni, like I just kept reading all those academic journals that they drill into you at uni. And this kind of I've always had this frustration that all this great research remains like quite hidden in the depths of academia but there's all this great knowledge that no one is using so I thought wouldn't it be cool to take a science-based approach to innovation and actually help people apply these great research findings in terms of what's been scientifically proven to drive innovation but just make that really simple and practical for companies to do so that's what we've been doing here at Inventium for the last 10 years and that's how I got to where I am.
1: Wow, that's a really quick summary at the end there. (laughs) Okay, fantastic. So, I mean, and this has sort of led to your partnership with the Fin Review. Did you want to discuss how that came about and what that's about?
2: Yeah, sure. I had a partnership with Fairfax for the last five years. So, about five years ago, I'd noticed sort of through conversation with a client of mine that there was really no national cross-industry recognition for companies that were doing really great innovative work. Like certainly there were things within specific industries and within the design industry, for example, but there was nothing that reached across all the industries. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to like have something that companies could aspire to be on? Yeah. And I knew a few of the journalists over at BRW, which was around at the time, and just having a coffee with them and saying, hey, what do you reckon about this idea like for an innovation list? And she's like, that sounds awesome. Like I'll run it by my editor and then yeah. the editor of BRW at the time was Kate Mills and so... We caught up for a chat and I told her what I was thinking and she said, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And so we we ran it and it was a big success and that was five years ago. And so now last year we changed the partnership to working with the Australian Financial Review for the list, which has been great. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're about to call for entries in about six weeks time at the beginning of March for the 2017 list.
1: So can companies get on there and self-register or?
2: Yeah, so registrations will open on the 1st of March and the criteria is you need 30 or more employees and just need to have been around for more than two years as an organization.
1: Wow, fantastic. And so innovation, is that something that you've fallen into? Because it seems to be like I'm working around a lot of big corporates and very much what the focus is now in terms of generating you know, new customers or whatever it is. It seems to be a lot heavier in terms of a strategic focus now than maybe it was five or six years ago. Have you noticed what's happening there? I mean, you're, you're obviously in this field and do you want to elaborate on?
2: Sure. So I've definitely noticed a shift in the last 10 years. I think 10 years ago... The question I was hearing leaders ask is, should we innovate? Like, is that a thing that we should be doing, should we focusing on? But over the last few years, that's really shifted to the question being, how do we innovate? How do we get better at innovation? So I think now it it seems to be very, very commonly accepted that, you know, like you have to innovate. You innovate or you die. That's just the reality of, of how things work. You know, you disrupt or you be disrupted. And... I find that, you know, almost across the board, companies are recognizing that and they're taking innovation much more seriously, Look, which has been great for Inventium. Like we've, you know, we've we've grown pretty significantly year on year for almost every year that we've been around and we've been in the Fast 100 list for the last two years. So certainly we're seeing a huge demand for companies that want to get better at innovation.
1: Great. Okay. Just sort of back to maybe creativity and innovation and sort of your background and the scientific approach you know, some people would say, you know, oh, well, I'm not creative. So what would you sort of say about that statement? If someone's telling themselves that, I mean, what? how do you relate to that or not relate to it?
2: Yeah, I'd say that's a really unhelpful statement. You know, we know from like hundreds of, not thousands of research papers that have been published all over the world that the ability to think creatively is something that is very malleable and changeable. And it's really about just having the knowledge of what are the tools the stimulus the environments that have been significantly proven to increase creativity and applying that to your life and interestingly like what you believe about your creativity is a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy like there's research to suggest that if you see yourself as a more creative person you'll actually come up with more creative solutions so you're you know you're really doing yourself a disservice you know if, if you're one of these people that's like I'm not a creative person well you probably live up to that so like certainly in my first book the creativity formula what I wanted to do there was to just unpack like 50 really simple but scientifically proven ways to immediately boost your creativity like there's you know stuff in the book around you know the impact of the natural environment so just going for a walk in a park is a really effective way to get great ideas flowing looking at images where there's like an odd one out theme going on or some sort of like sort of deviant theme going on is enough to get you thinking more creatively through to exercising, doing half an hour of aerobic activity will get you thinking more creatively. So there's all these different kind of ways that I include in the book to just help make it really practical and accessible to people that, particularly those that don't see themselves as being creative.
1: Yeah. Okay. And is there one that you'd like, there's obviously 50 in the book, but is there one in there that's just like that's the one you've got to do, or
2: it's there, not. It's okay. just it's a variety. Like I, I don't think any one technique works for everyone. I think it's about finding what works for you, which is why I deliberately wanted to to have quite a different range. And you know, I get feedback from all sorts of people that you know, different, yep. different strokes for different folks.
1: Yeah, sure, okay. And like a lot of, I always hear, "Oh, it came to me in the shower," or it came to me while I was, you know, while the conscious brain switched off or something. Why does it? Do you, do you have anything
2: to say about that like yeah so our unconscious mind is a very like powerful problem solver and when we set ourselves a problem to solve and then just forget about it our unconscious mind just sort of works like in the back of our mind without us noticing kind of just works away at that problem and, yeah. and comes up with solutions but the problem is that it brings these ideas to our consciousness or conscious mind, really inopportune times like in the shower on the toilet you know it's three in the morning and what we say to our clients is that it's really important to always have something on you that you can record these ideas with like sleep with a notepad next to your bed notepad and pen most people now always have their mobile phone on them so we say you know have a good note taking out there or you know a dictation out so that you can record these ideas because we're as humans, we overestimate our ability to remember ideas. Yep. Even if they're awesome, we really do overestimate our ability.
1: Well, you've got to keep it in there, and then you sort of obsess about it, and then obsess about Well, certainly I do. I, if something comes to me, I'll obsess about it, and I'll keep it in my mind so I don't forget mm-hmm. it. But then eventually I'll be distracted by something, and it doesn't take much for me. But yeah, then I'm mm-hmm. sort of onto the next thing, and I'm trying to think what was that thing I was thinking of? I think mm-hmm. my- <laughs> But yeah, I, I sort of heard you sort of touch on some of those things. I was watching the TEDx Melbourne video, I think it was on YouTube or I link from your LinkedIn profile actually. Yeah, what was that like presenting at TEDx?
2: Yeah, that that was cool. Like I I've done a few TEDx presentations. I think that one that you're referring to was the first one that I did. Yeah, like it's a huge honour to be involved with such a great brand, you know. Mm. Like, not many weeks would go by where I'm not consuming something that the TED brand is putting out. So, yeah, it was it was fantastic. And also, like, it's, it's a challenge to kind of go, what is that idea that I think is worth sharing that I can communicate in 18 minutes? So
1: it's... Is it's, that what it is? It's, that's a criteria, 18 minutes? And...
2: Yeah, and generally they're shorter now. Generally, I think the most watched talks are around the 10-minute mark. But back at the time, that was, like, a few years ago, 18 minutes is a wow. TED talk. Yeah, so what it's a, very challenging. You go
1: over? Like, do they start ringing a bell, or is there a bit? Of no,
2: there's <laughs> nothing like that. It's just, time. yeah, it's just very not cool to go over. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's okay. <laughs> okay. and so there's probably someone straight after you, I guess. It's a pretty tightly scheduled yeah. day. Yeah. Wow. And just some other things I wanted to bring up that are just on your LinkedIn profile, which is Kevin Spacey. Do you want to just tell me about Kevin Spacey and? Oh, I just uh, – he's just, he just
2: my absolute favourite actor. Yeah, i just – I have just adored him probably since the mid-90s before he was kind of as popular as he is now with what he's doing. But, yeah, I just i just think he's
1: awesome. That's, <laughs> it's funny yeah. you mention him because he's probably the only Hollywood actor I've probably met face-to-face.
2: Wow. So I, was in a,
1: I was in a bar in London and I was just getting a pint or something and then he was just – he was doing some movie or something there at the time he was living there locally but yeah he was just there and he said hello and I said hello and then it sort of came to me 10-15 minutes later who he was but yeah anyway <laughs> that's cool <laughs> Yeah, so international record deal
2: Yeah, that was from when I was doing my PhD. I was just like a bit bored and looking for different things to do. And I was writing a lot of music. I was like a singer, songwriter, guitarist, and had put together a demo. I didn't know why. It was just something something fun that I did. And then I just naively thought, oh, well, I guess, you know, if you've got a demo, you send it out to labels. And so I sent it out to 10 labels that I'd heard of and – yeah one of them called me a couple of weeks later and yeah I was keen to talk further and then yeah was keen to offer a deal so I ended up walking away from it it was it was kind of at that point it was the decision do I become a full-time musician or do I finish my PhD become a psychologist and work in that field and I was far too passionate about psychology to give that up so yeah yeah
1: yeah. wow okay okay so we might just move into probably some of the more structured questions and just if there's any advice that you'd have for yourself as you were coming through your career i think
2: i'd probably give myself the advice to back myself more in my 20s and look even in my 30s i i very much relate to this idea of imposter syndrome which i think is sort of more of a mainstream idea now but back when i was in my 20s i don't think many people were talking about it but i yeah i constantly felt like this imposter with things that i was doing like i remember when when i got accepted into the doctoral program organizational psychology i for the first few months i was just convinced that admin had had stuffed up and had just accidentally put me through and you know when i was working in advertising i i kind of was like you know why am i in this senior role like haven't they seen my cv i don't deserve to be here and and all this and you know but but look i i yeah i would tell myself to back
1: myself more Mm. yeah so you're there because you should be there and
2: yeah, think, yeah yeah yeah
1: okay thanks for that so we sort of touched on on habits well 50 habits that are in your book but i mean to get a company like this so recognized and start up i mean is there things that you're doing on a daily or monthly what's driving this as, as a leader here like are there are there things you're you're up to or
2: yeah, look, there's lots of things that I think about and that I'm up to. Like, look, I think in terms of just personal work habits that I have, I, I'm i very much what like one psych profile I did called a time optimizer. And I think like probably everyone in the team would comment that I'm very, very efficient and kind of quick at doing things. So for me, like I'm I'm kind of always looking for, I guess, different ways to... Be efficient because ultimately, like, time is the one thing that's constant. It's the same for all of us. And if I can make more out of the time that I've got, like, in this week, in in my life, then I'm going to, you know, have more of an impact. So I'll do things like, you know, a year ago or something, I'd kind of – I'd had the Facebook app on my phone and I just became aware that, like, I'd probably, like, spend 20 or 30 minutes just – I'd just get lost in this, Mm. like – black hole of Facebook like reading things that really in the scheme of life didn't really matter too much and it was just kind of this like just habit that I'd gotten into so I thought this is such a waste of my time and so I just deleted it from my phone and since then like I'd maybe look at Facebook for 10 minutes a week or something just to keep in touch with like my mother's group but instead like I'll create new habits like for example I I love the app Pocket and it's an app that you kind of, there's a plugin for, for your browser and any articles that, that you're sent or that you come across that you're like, oh, that looks really interesting, but I don't have time to read that now. You can just save it to pocket. Ah. And so I've got all these interesting articles on my phone. So if I'm waiting in line for a coffee or whatever, or I'm brushing my teeth, I've got like two minutes, I can read and learn something. Yep. And And so I'm just always kind of looking for ways to just optimize the time yep. that I've got. And then something that I started late last year, I just started an experiment where I don't check emails until lunchtime, so I was just aware. I know like I've heard that a lot of kind of people that I respect sort of have similar habits and I thought, oh, there's got to be something in that because I just felt like I'd start my day on email and I'm you, immediately on the back person, foot and you're I'm you're reactive. you a that? morning person. I'm very much a morning person. Yeah. yeah, I'm up at 5.30 every morning and I was just like, oh, I'm just reacting to the day. I'm not actually doing anything proactive, so I'm quite planned in what do I want to achieve in the morning and I don't check emails till lunchtime and that's been awesome so there are a couple of things
1: yeah I noticed the auto office replies I yeah. don't check email which is great yeah. it's it's kind of that did you get that from Tim Ferris or is this actually
2: no yeah, just me yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Great. Okay. <laughs> another productivity expert we had on Shalina or she recommended a similar thing around yeah, batching your emails but Yeah, I can certainly attest to you pinching a minute or two as I was setting up the microphones it's like alright like two minutes here bang so for sure yeah <laughs> so i won't, I won't I'm, I'm trying to stay on track here and get a good <laughs> podcast. Done. so that's sort of your time but how are you actually how do you make sure you're doing the important stuff first it sounds like you're you've just sort of described you know how you're really packing in and maybe prioritizing the morning because you're a morning person and uh, i'm the same so how do you make sure you're doing the right stuff in the morning or whenever it is you're doing it
2: yeah, it's about knowing what are the projects that I'm working on that I know yep. are really important to Inventium. Like there's like yep. in six weeks from now we're we're launching a big product, which is basically taking our most popular innovation training program and putting that online, but mm. in a really engaging way, as opposed to a boring way, which you know most online learning's pretty bad. So yep. we want it to be really fantastic and amazing. Yep. And so One of my priorities right now in terms of my role is helping to build that product and generate content for that product. So a lot of my mornings, you know, over the last few weeks have been spent doing something important that's going to contribute to that product. So at any given time, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at knowing What's important for me to be focusing on that's going to have a
1: big impact yeah and is that just rattling around in your head or have you got it sort of written up because this i can see things on the walls
2: oh yeah no stuff. that's all graffiti no so i'm obsessive with my to-do to-do yeah. list yeah i use to doist you know i yeah. would look at it many times a day and add to it and yeah i yeah. don't trust my memory for anything so, you,
1: so you've got to-doist you've got pocket so no. you're capturing tasks with to-doist you're capturing things that you Articles to with pocket, pocket, yeah. Is there a yeah. few other ones? Or are these <laughs> yeah,
2: sort of look, I you know, look like a lot of people. I use Evernote. I, I much prefer digital notebooks because everything's searchable. I use Newton for my email, which just makes it really quick to get through email once I'm on it. Just there's a whole lot of keyboard shortcuts and just sort of gets rid of a lot of the extraneous stuff that, that I find Gmail has. What are the other ones that I use a lot, there's, yeah, look. There's other apps. So like I love yeah. the Nike training app.
1: with
2: lots of good workouts on it. But no, there, there's a few apps. None of which are coming to mind right now. But I definitely, I love a good app.
1: Cool. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you've sort of explored the market and found a the lot. List. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because there's a lot out there. Like especially to do lists. And definitely. One list. There's another one I've come across.
2: Yeah, I used to use that. Just got too buggy. Okay. I
1: mean, yeah. i oh, wanted um, to try to do it Okay. Mm. Okay. So just inspirational quotes so you said you might have had one to share with
2: yeah like I'm not a big quote person probably a quote that it's not more like a quote that I live by or anything but it's a quote that will often come into my mind at various times when something extreme is going on like extreme good or extreme bad and it's the quote this too will pass and I imagine it's a quote that a lot of people are familiar with I find it a very reassuring quote when things are really hard going this too will pass and mm-hmm. just kind of reminding myself that even though it feels really tough right now with whatever's going on it will pass like i just know inevitably that is yeah. guaranteed but also like with the good stuff that happens that like this too will pass and it just kind of reminds you to savor those really good moments when you know you're kind of in the zone and everything's like flowing and it's awesome so kind of helps me stay a little bit a little yeah, bit in the present then like and appreciate that. things
1: yeah, thanks for sharing that. It's, yeah, it's good how you flip it both ways and mm-hmm. just, yeah, save the moment or just say, well, it'll be over soon. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it. Okay, so the last one was a book. So you mentioned you've got two books out yourself, which yeah. I'll, I'll link to. Do you want to – and thanks for sending through some sample copies for my launch as well. The guys loved them, so we gave mm-hmm. them away. Cool. Do you want to just mention your two books and then finally just a book that you know people should read and that's helped you –
2: Sure. So the two books that I've got out, one is the Creativity Formula, which I mentioned earlier, which is 50 Scientifically Proven Ways to Boost Your Creativity. And the other is the Innovation Formula that came out last year. And that looks at the science behind creating a culture where innovation really thrives. And I wrote that one because I feel like it's a question I personally get asked very often, like, how do you create a culture of innovation? And It's a question where a lot of people have opinions. You know, there's so many people that have like blogged about it or written about it. And, you know, what they've written is just, just, you know, it's just untrue. It doesn't actually work. So it was really going into the science because there's some quite precise answers in terms of the very specific things that you need to focus on to create a a culture where innovation really thrives. So, So they're my two books. The Probably my, yeah, I'd say one of my favorite books that I've read is by Clayton Christensen, who if you're kind of into innovation, you'll have heard of Clayton Christensen. He's a professor at Harvard and kind of like the grandfather of disruptive innovation. And he's written a lot of books, but my favorite by far is a book called How Will You Measure Your Life? And it's this book that takes all of his business and innovation theories and actually applies them to the ethical and moral and just general life choices that, that you make. And I found it a really powerful read, but it's also a great read for anyone that wants to learn more about his theories as well and applying them right. to life. So I
1: just absolutely love that book. Great. No, that sounds fantastic. My opening question should have been, how do you create a culture of innovation? Because you would have been uh, ready to <laughs> sing Ah, that's
2: all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, that's probably, uh, concludes the interview. Just the final question is just around, if people are looking to contact yourself or contact Inventium you know, who would they be and who should contact you and what should they contact you about?
2: If you want to know more about innovation or if you want to become a better innovator, you can definitely help with that. Whether you're a freelancer or a small business owner or working in a corporate and you want to become a better innovator, like learn the tools to uncover better customer driven opportunities, get better at thinking creatively and get better at running experiments and applying things like lean startup methodology, then we can absolutely help with that. So if you just put Inventium, which is invent with an I-U-M into mm-hmm. Google, or if you Google my name, which is a bit weird, it's Amantha, likes Samantha without the S or Imba and Imba, which is Timber without the T, you'll very easily find our website and you can just contact us through there. And I'm also on Twitter, just at Amantha.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I'll definitely link to that on the show notes at mentors.com.au. But thank you very much for coming on the show today. And I think we've, got an, we've just had an efficient 30 minutes and we've <laughs> made some really good audio. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, hope you all enjoyed the show today and we'll catch you again next week. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. All no right. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you liked today's show. You can hop online to find out more about our mentor. There's links in how to contact them. There's also links around the books that they've recommended and how you might go about it getting your hands on them. MentorList.com.au
0: Thank you for listening to The Mentor List with your host, David Lewis. If you like what you're hearing on The Mentor List, the best way to support the show is to take just a few seconds to leave a rating and comment over on iTunes. You can also find further information about this show and links to further episodes at www.mentorlist.com.au Until next time... This is The Mentor List.